Hey there, we're those sci-fi guys, and this is that those sci-fi guys show. Just two working dudes, different lives, different jobs, but a whole lot of love for science fiction and the fun that comes with. We are your hosts. I am P.S. McKay, welcoming in the pumpkin spice season with a rag in one hand and a vomit bucket in the other, because it's gross. I'm GT Cavman, and I wholeheartedly concur. Anytime <laughs> I see people on my social media just blowing it up with can't wait for pumpkin spice this pumpkin pumpkin that the only pumpkin that i have is on my front porch during halloween during the fall and halloween right <laughs> i don't like pumpkin and i'm happy that you enjoy your pumpkin spice but do me a favor dial it down a little right <laughs> now I, I i mean here's the thing i like some pumpkin Things. It's usually like pumpkin bread, but that's because of the nutmeg. Pumpkin roll cake, because of the nut, uh, nutmeg and the 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 uh, sour cream frosting. Um, <laughs> those pumpkin things I like, but it's because of the nutmeg. You know, so I mean, does is pumpkin spice nutmeg? I've I, I mean, it doesn't taste like it. I've had it before. You know, since I moved back to the Northeast, I have tried to drink more local booze, more particularly beers, you know, smaller breweries, give them a chance, that sort of thing. Part of the problem is everybody up here in the Northeast apparently is obsessed with freaking IPAs, and I can't stand them. They're too bitter. Uh. (laughs) (laughs) They have a lousy aftertaste. I am just not an IPA guy. You more and, of a blonde Hefeweizen guy? Um, yeah, an ale, a lager. Yeah. I'm a soldier. I want <laughs> something hearty. If I, if I wanted bitterness, I would look in my soul, okay? Oh. It's got enough there already. Wow, this took not, a turn. <laughs> I'm not looking for it in my beer. It's another reason why I'm really enjoying Shandy's. Uh, <laughs> so cloy and bubbly and happy. I'm happy. Oh, I gotta They're say, insidious. <laughs> Just like the Federation. Uh, I will say, California has a love for IPAs as well, and it it is, it it's a rough deal. It is. Um. I mean, there are some good ones like 805 out here. I don't know. Have you? Do you, do you have 805 out there? I wouldn't think so. We have 508 here, dude. <laughs> oh, that's clever. It's the area code for Massachusetts. There it is. At least no, the southeast Ma- Massachusetts. Southern Massachusetts. Yeah, southern. Boston area is 617, and they there is some 617 beers. Right. <laughs> but and not I guarantee you have them in I went in and I thought, oh, that looks kind of neat. It said cannoli as a flavor. I was like, oh, pumpkin spice cannoli. <laughs> Beer? What the? F- wow. Wow. No, thank you. I I, I mean, I appreciate the, the, the season for its holidays, but not for pumpkin spice. Holy hell. Vito, stop having Ugh. sex with Tiffany. That's how you get pumpkin spice cannoli beer. Interesting. Interesting. It's not. I I would have tried it if it because I, 
I've liked some chocolate beers. Like Yingling has a Hershey beer. Ooh, do they? It's good. It yeah. Is. Yeah. It's a little, you know, the chocolate beers usually come out. And, and a lot of times you'll get them more with stouts and stuff. Yeah. More for the the colder months where a stout or like a, you know, like I, I, I enjoy a Guinness on St. Patrick's Day. I have mm-hmm. drank Guinness in many different countries, including Saudi Arabia. But when it's it 85 degrees outside, drinking <laughs> the, the Guinness is not quite as enjoyable. It's a little too heavy. Well, that's why it was so popular in Ireland, because it never hits 85 degrees. <laughs> and you rarely see sun. So, of course, they need to warm up from the inside out. Well, it's a meal, dude. It is a meal. It is a meal. That's for sure. Um, does Guinness taste? I, I feel like I asked you this question before. Does Guinness taste different in Europe? Yes, it does. Like better, a little stronger, a little better. Yeah, it's it. It tastes different. You know, there's obviously there's different alcohol content laws in, in this country and. Different and water that. minerals and stuff, I'm sure. If that matters. I've never had Guinness <laughs> in Ireland. I have had it in Germany. Quite good. Yeah. I would like to try... I I would like to go back to Ireland just one more time. I would bring the family when the kids are in their mid-late teens. I would like to tour the Guinness factory and, you know, try try it. I mean, it wouldn't be like a, a bender, of course. But just to just to tell the difference, you know, it's just a, it's a fascination of mine. The U.S. to have it side by side. Oh my god! I probably could probably put it into a shampoo bottle or something. Uh, Three ounces at a time. Several Guinness stateside <laughs> before you fly. Right. When you get there, drink several there. You know. Why do I have to do several? I mean, I could control. just do one and one, right? No, you need control. <laughs> Listen, do you want to enjoy this or not, Mac? Come on what, now. <laughs> what kind of scientist would you be? One and one. I mean, you need sample sizes. I understand. Okay, I got gotcha. you. <laughs> What's wrong with you? Oh, apparently I didn't have my thinker's cap on. Spock so. was very disappointed in you. Well, he always would be. Every time. Agreed. Too emotional. <laughs> so, and always highly illogical. So. Yes. Oh, anyway, you got any plans for the upcoming holiday weekend? Do you well, have a holiday weekend? I do. But then my job screws me and I have to work the following Saturday. So you have to work let's like not talk six about days that. after that. Okay. So. Uh, so oh, uh, your little one went to school. How how how's that going? Riding the bus for the first time. Really? Yeah. Oh man, how was that? She seems to be okay with it right now. Um, bus stop is literally in front of our house, so. <laughs> That's nice. Did you have to call the district to have that happen, or? No, it's where it is for the neighborhood. Oh wow, that's cool. Yeah. That works. Yeah, actually, it's something I learned when we were talking with uh, the people when we were buying the house. So, 
that's re- that's well that's a, that's a selling point um here where i live there is an elementary school every block and a half in this city literally and because of that and, and actually there's a high school every two miles apart <laughs> and there are five high schools here um so it's and it's spread out like there's one in the middle and then it's like spoked out uh so because everything is so dense yes if you want to ride the bus you have to pay for a bus pass so otherwise your parents just drive you (laughs) in in uh in the midwest when we were living out there our daughter's school was between our house and where basically it was on the way for us to go to work. So we would just drop her off on the way to work. Um, it was very easy that way. I would, on the on the days that, you know, some days my wife would take her, some days I would take her. Mm-hmm. And, you know, my, my wife needed to get to the highway, which was past her school. So she would go to the highway, you know, drop her off and get on the highway to go to her job and me, I would actually have to cross the highway to get to my job. So it was still, that was the easiest way to go. So it was very convenient. We could pick her up on the, you know, we'd, we'd come home, pick her up. This time, you know, schools across town, uh, it's actually inconvenient for us to, to drop uh-huh. her off. So. Uh-huh. Plus, so that's that's an adjustment. Yeah. yeah. But she seems to be enjoying it. Likes her, her teachers. Yeah, her homeroom teacher I went to high school with. So. Oh. <laughs> my my son our my son's uh homeroom teacher my wife went to high school with. <laughs> I know her. I know her husband. Um would I know her? I don't know if you'd know her, but you would definitely know the the husband. Interesting. Sure. Okay. Would have heard the name. The, the family was members of that pool club that we had been a member of. Okay. Well, that could be anyone. I mean, obviously, we'll have to talk about it off the air for privacy sake and everything. But yeah, um, yeah. it's my fault for asking. <laughs> I so. would. I, I think you'd know the the husband's family, or at least the name would ring a bell. It's not it was one that would kind of stand out. That being said, um, yeah. So that's good. Plans for the weekend. Tomorrow night we're planning on having family over for a game night. Oh, nice. Do you know which game yet? No, we're gonna order some pizzas. Uh, parents, sister, you know, uh, my daughter. Whole Chapang. Yep. The over. Nice. And then I guess we're all going to go down by uh, the ocean on Saturday. Try to go, you know, my mom got reservations on, you know, at a little roadside or a little uh, waterside restaurant. So we'll go do that. Just. Do some family, and then Sunday and Monday are 
I don't know, kind of up in the air right now. Well, it sounds like you're doing it right, man. I mean, yeah. That that sounds like a very nice, uh, nice few days. Um, glad you asked. I'm heading down to LA, so for the weekend. <laughs> Isn't that a jackass transition? Um, it is because I assumed that you would launch into it, and I didn't even have a chance to. Uh, I know yeah. that was that was the point, obviously. Um, so. This is uh, actually today is uh, my anniversary with Mrs. Mack. Uh, Fifteen years now. So, Happy anniversary! Congratulations. Uh, thank you. Wedding or wedding together? anniversary? Yeah. Oh, together we've been together for about twenty-one years now. It's yeah, crazy. <laughs> you were one of those ones who dragged your feet. Got it. Well, no, I mean she was a junior in college, and I met her my Easy. freshman year. So, I know, <laughs> but it's funny because out of and and this, everyone would know this. This this isn't a derogatory to anyone. Out of all our college friends that met and hooked up and everything, it was we were the ones who met first. Everyone else then met. Out of all our coupled friends in in college, and then they all got married first. And then we were the last of the, well, second to last. No, we were the last of the bunch out of the college groups to get married. <laughs> so, but uh, when I proposed, uh, she, the, the day that I proposed, she came back to me and goes, so I was thinking we would do September 1st next year. And I'm like, what? <laughs> Which was a year and a half away. And I'm like, okay. And my boss, who was like all excited about me proposing, asked me what the date was and I, and I told her and she looks at me with this huge disappointment she's like so you're never getting married then ever like <laughs> just like we just need time to plan this okay we're not as all spontaneous as you man so <laughs> but well, happy um, anniversary thank you thank you we're we're going down to LA and and watching the um the USC home opener against Rice and celebrating Lincoln Riley uh, in his first game and everything, so that'll be that'll be fun. Uh, kind of like new chapter on USC football, which will be no, it's exciting. It's your anniversary. Lead with that. Well, it is. I mean, she planned it. It was her idea. So <laughs> yeah, and of course, you're not going to start off with a game that you guys could possibly lose. Well, it's rice, so no. But that was planned like six years ago. So <laughs> so this is way before Lincoln Riley. They'd likely uh, whoop your ass in baseball, but. They would. Well, I, you don't know. USC is a powerhouse in football. I'm sorry, in baseball traditionally. You might not know it, but they are. Not right now, but historically speaking. Uh, Coach Dato, I mean. They named the field after him for the College World Series or something. I don't know. They they dedicated something to him after he died. So Probably the stadium at your school. Well, he definitely... No, the field at the school was named Dato Field. But there was something at the College World Series in Oklahoma that they did for him, too. I'll have to double-check that. But it was the third probably, urinal from the door. Yeah, it could have been. He was a nice man. I met him. 
He had a, he had a walking stick that was a, a, a baseball with a with a, a rubber stop on the bottom. <laughs> it was great. <laughs> um. So anyway, yeah. So we're gonna do that. Oh, and we're gonna see John Williams at the Hollywood that uh, the Hollywood Bowl uh, conduct all his not all but a lot of his uh, scores. So live with with the the you know scenes from the movies projecting above it. So with the the L.A. Philharmonic. So Philharmonic. folks, now you know what's going to be our next episode: the live <laughs> broadcast of the <laughs> scores part three. <laughs> yeah. I I I, I was a, Max face to face interview with John Williams Bowser. Uh, there you go, <laughs> and it'll be brief. It'll be very brief. <laughs> Followed by an interview with Max Doctors. <laughs> yes, yes, that's true. Uh, but and it'll be fun. The LAPD. Oh, uh, definitely the LAPD. Yeah. <laughs> Please, Mr. Williams, can I be the eight thousandth person today to try to get you on my podcast? Right. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what podcart you're talking about. Just. <laughs> He's got a robust voice still. I mean, he is. I mean, I think he's like 86 or something. Or He's 90, dude. Is he 90? I, he I saw him six years ago, and he was robust. Stop uh, calling him fat. Oh, his voice was robust, and, like, he was, he was there. Like, bigger than life. He's Young 90 boy. years old. Remember, we talked about it on his 90th birthday. Yeah, you're right. We did. <laughs> well, we'll see how well. I mean, gosh, I mean, it, you know, you know what they say. As soon as you stop, you that's when your body starts dying. Right. So God bless them for keeping going on this. Well, I mean, I hear. He, he's got some sort of affinity for Aqua. So. For Aqua? Uh, it's, it's pronounced Akla. It's spelled U-C-L-A. Oh, yeah. We call that Fuckla. <laughs> so crass. Ah, uh, well, it's just what it is, so. <laughs> and, you know, I may or may not happen to know, you know, some people that might have, or not, released some red spray painted mice into their library i may or may not know <sighs> i may or may not know but that's okay it's okay it's okay anyway <laughs> moving on to tonight's topic uh dt what do we got well one of the things that we've talked about recently has been Underrated characters, underused characters, kind of follows on from there, right? You have mm -hmm. characters who might have gotten a decent amount of play. And, you know, when we were talking about the underrated characters, but maybe just, just you know, maybe deserve a little more recognition like when we talk about well-known characters like Chewbacca. Definitely feel underrated. Now, what, as I mentioned earlier, we're looking at underused characters. Or, um, what, uh, 
ones that got done dirty. Definitely. Yeah, done dirty. I, I'm trying to think of a different term for it. Uh, squandered. The squandered characters. Squandered needlessly underused. Yeah, yeah. Otherwise known, and I read, I started reading an article about this the other day, and I sent it to you. And there's an actual term for it called the Harry Kim treatment. Yes. The everlasting ensign of the USS Voyager. Tom Paris got demoted and re-promoted. <laughs> Tuvok got promoted. You couldn't have given him a fucking hollow pip. Are you fucking kidding me? I know. And, and by the way, when did Kim ever actually like go against any orders? Did, I mean, he was a model officer, wasn't he? I mean, he was green. He was green, but he was a model officer. He was completely loyal to the captain. After seven years, you, you know, you're not green anymore. No. And it was it was also accentuated. And, and I think the writers, the writers did this on purpose because they were they were making fun of themselves. When Voyager was finally able to communicate with the Federation, Harry was talking to his parents <laughs> and his parents were, you know, you know, expecting big things from their son as they should. And they're like, well, you must be at least a lieutenant commander by now, shouldn't you? And he's like, well, no, there's not a lot of room for advancement on this ship right now. And, uh, well, I mean, the, the captain has to have given you some kinds of responsibility beyond your, your, your rank. No, <laughs> well, some instances, but you know, I, I do my, <laughs> I do my job. Well, <laughs> okay, here's the thing. <laughs> the Enterprise D, their operations officer, was a lieutenant commander. Yes. I mean, and that was, and then it was Harry was the operations officer. That's kind of a big step down. Oh, because Paris was sitting up front alone at the con, wasn't he? Yeah, Paris was con, and Kim was uh, in the back. Now, remember, that's right. the Enterprise, you know, the Kirk's Enterprise, neither of them had an operations officer. You first see Ops, the Enterprise D. Ops was the headquarters node on Deep Space Nine, so there was no real ops there I and mean, there was mm -hmm. no ops officer there i guess wharf kind of assumed that role strategic operations which was completely a made-up fucking role <laughs> they had a science officer ironically they had a science officer and the enterprise d didn't yeah <laughs> So well, I always thought I always thought Data was the science officer. Well, he, like, generally he filled took that, that role. role. Yeah, kind of. And he was second in command, he... huh? And he and Data was second in command. No, he was third in command. Well, who was second? Riker. Oh, I'm sorry. He was the. He second was number officer. two. He was the second officer. Yes, you're right. 
He was number two. <laughs> yeah, again, it's a little... The Star, Star Trek just has not been consistent with their crewing. Well, it, I mean, you got to forgive it for what it is, obviously, but... I don't. Let's... <laughs> I don't like me talking it. about discovery. <laughs> Remember who you're talking to. I know, I know. I'm trying to gloss over it. I'm trying to gloss over it, but we're not gonna apparently. So <laughs> that being said, you're right. Harry Kim got screwed. All right. And I, and I, if I the think... ops officer on a Galaxy class starship is a lieutenant commander, you figure even on a ship as small as Voyager, it should have been a lieutenant. It shouldn't be. You shouldn't be in charge of a serious node fresh out of the academy. It makes literally no sense. No. <laughs> and actually, the Intrepid class was like a, a brand new class, right? Yeah. They were they were primarily a science vessel, were they not? Something like that. Long long range scouting, exploration. Long range scouting vessel or something, you know, science scouting or something along that line. So, interesting. Now, I mean, we talked about in in the show about you know him not getting the the dues that he he was as you know as an officer. But let's talk about Harry Kim, the character. Did we get any really good Harry Kim episodes, or was he always just an ancillary backup kind of guy? Always, always supportive. Well, he had that episode where. Wasn't there the one where he went, where it was like, uh, like you, he was like living an alternate version where he never was got on Voyager. Oh, they show him, they show him back on Earth with his fiance. Yes, and he had a girlfriend, and basically he was in Barclay's. He was in Barclay's apartment that they later used for Barclay. Sure, he was living. They with redressed Red. it. <laughs> they redressed it. A little bit, but <laughs> um, and then he and Chakotay were in that episode. You know, they kind of carried. The, so it was the one future, where, future lost or whatever. Yeah, where they're being where the, down by Captain Jordy LaForge. Yes, and that, and that's fine. But he was he wasn't a lead. He was always a uh, supporting or or. Well, he was. You know. you know, there was the wasn't there the one where he like has to swap with his alternate self or something like that. That was when um the the guys that were dealing with the phage. The the Vidians? Vidians? The Vidians? Um yeah, and that was when the Voyager was split into two different right. realities. And but the Vidians only captured one of the Voyagers in reality because they couldn't interact with the other one. Mm-hmm. And it was the Voyager that got the crap beat out of it that was the one that survived because the Vidians got the Voyager that was, you know, prim and pristine. And Naomi Wildman came from that reality and was brought over by Harry Kim, who was killed in the other Voyager. Again, supporting role. Yeah. So were there any Harry Kim stories? I don't know about long term. Remember, I didn't watch. I didn't fit. I didn't, I didn't consistently watch, watch Voyager. I mean, aside from the one I mentioned already with him 
being back. I mean, that was a story. Yeah. That was a Harry Kim episode, but that's part of the problem. You can't really pick them out. I mean, I could name probably a couple of Paris, Balana, and even Chakotay episodes from the four seasons I watched consistently. Right, and Chakotay was the most bland character ever. Like, like mo- so bland. And no no, no dig on, um, what's his face? What's Robert his name? Beltran? Yeah, no dig on Robert Beltran. He was just dealing with the cards he had. You know, or playing with the cards he was dealt with, you know? They didn't, they didn't do enough with his character. They didn't write well enough for him. I mean, there was that decent episode where he gets captured by the young Kazan, who was played by Aaron Eisenberg. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I forgot about that. Yeah. That actually wasn't too bad of an episode. I hated the Kazan. Ugh, they were the worst. What, the bargain bin Klingons? I, yeah, yeah, they were just the worst. We've talked about it, obviously, but they, I just... I, I'm glad that the way the show was structured, they eventually left Kazon space. And, and I remember in reading TV Guide, like, introducing season two, the fans legitimately were like, wait, Voyager is trying to get to home. At what point... Is Kazon are the Kazons not going to be able to reach Voyager because they're leaving part the Kazon space? Part of space. Voyager's problem is that they keep stopping. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, they had to at some point because they needed deuterium uh, at one point for for power. Right, and they needed they needed stuff, and of course they get sidetracked when they were being attacked by people. But for the love of God, I mean. I really I honestly gotta say oh no okay you know what Voyager probably has the distinction of having the most episodes that I haven't seen As, uh, Enterprise wow. is the other one and but what was the other I, one? it's like Enterprise Enterprise is the other one well okay I'm not including modern Trek by the way but um but Enterprise is the other one where I probably missed like a good 12 episodes. Mostly in the second season. Some in the first. But yeah. Well, it was college, you know. You can only... <laughs> your, your, your schedule's a little different <laughs> in college. You know, and I didn't, and I started watching Enterprise, and I was trying to watch it mostly consistently for the first year or two. But, you know, you're right. The deeper I got into college, and then once I graduated, I was toast. Um, yeah, you but, graduate from college, and you're in the real world. You're suddenly, like, discombobulated trying to make things make sense again, and it's going to well, take a few years. The first year I was in the Army, I was I had moved four times. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, your your graduation was very different from many others. So Yeah, so I moved around a lot. Uh, you know, I I left college in Rhode Island and stayed at home for a week before I left for Kentucky, then Texas, then um Georgia, and then back to Texas. 
That was all in the span of from May of uh, 2003 to May of 2004. I lived in five different states. My God. Let me ask you this. This is a sidetrack, but I have to know. Did you stay in dorms all four years? I did. Okay. Because, uh, my school would pay room and board um, for ROTC students who stayed on campus. Gotcha. So, it, well, okay. The other part is you you lived you lived you know forty minutes from home at most. Um, half an hour. Half an hour usually. But I but you know I stayed in dorms in the first two years in my second two years was uh they were on campus apartments well my point they is the, they were owned by the school they were they were named yeah they were basic but they were apartments so it was yeah it was, had a well my you know, point is kitchens and <laughs> i was just thinking that i accumulated a lot of crap because i i stayed in uh, apartments for college the first two years uh college apartments and then we moved to off-campus apartments the last two years. I accumulated a lot of crap. And, and I'm thinking, like, all of those moves that you had after you graduated, it took a moving truck for me to get to our new apartment after I graduated. I, I, had, I, I had a... <laughs> you had a rucksack. <laughs> I had a Nissan Sentra, and I, that's what I had to keep things in. Yeah, <laughs> I would move to until I got to Texas when I finally, you know, had things like furniture. But right. Anyway, you know, another sci-fi character who got d- d- done dirty. Uh, I think almost you, you worse. Mentioned, you, you mentioned Enterprise, Travis yeah. Mayweather. He got the least character development and episodes, and he got killed the most of any character on Enterprise. You know what? I can't. I can't speak for that, but you're. But I believe you. I will say this though: he at least had one Travis-centric episode called "Fortunate Son." Well, there was the. You know, one is one of his defining character traits was that what the he was what they called a boomer. Okay, yep. what's that? These were the kids who, you know, these were people who were brought up on these long haul freighters who they literally grew up on these basically generational ships that could only go warp one, maybe warp two, mm-hmm. you know, in the early days. And people would live on these ships and they would it would be like years between places. But they were they were hauling freighters. They were transport transporting things for the. The colonies, the, the Earth bases. cargo service, or something like that. Yeah, something they like just that. Lived out there. It, and so you his know, his father ran the ship, and then he was expected to possibly do it, but he left to join Starfleet, which his family thought was like. And some of his family thought it was a betrayal, and then his brother which took is over. Which is interesting. Well, it's kind of like the whole Picard thing, you know, leaving the family business because that's what it was. It was. The family business. Okay, no, you're you're right. Uh, you're that's exactly it, what it is. I didn't think about it like that. You're right. Hmm. I just I found it when I first watched that episode, and I saw the strife between him and his brother. 
Because yeah. his brother was in that episode, right? Yeah, his brother yeah. was the captain of the ship. Right. When I saw the strife, I just I felt that was so unnecessary. And I, I you know, and I was young. I, I didn't understand necessarily young, like 21, 20, something like that. Um, but I didn't really understand the the <laughs> psychology behind leaving a generational business to pursue your own dreams, which is, you know, in a lot of ways, selfish. Did you understand the strife between Picard and his brother? Honestly, I didn't think about it because it, it, it went that far over my head. I just felt Robert was a dick. Well, he was. <laughs> there's no lying about that. Robert was kind of a dick, but he was the older <laughs> brother and all the responsibilities you know, fell on him and all that stuff anyway. But, and of course, you can see maybe more of the issues. Maybe he had some resentment towards Jean-Luc for letting their mother out. I don't think I don't like to think of that as canon. It, it, no, but if you if you were to add that in, you could almost see that there's yet something else. Now, of course, one of the things he heard is, "Oh yeah, he always got the ribbon. He always." I guess that's Luke, that's what I would go off of. Yes, well, sibling jealousy. You know. Yeah, I, I would definitely give that credit there. You know, Absolutely. the firstborn who had all the responsibilities thrust upon him, and then the younger brother who could go and run off and do whatever he wanted. Sure. But again, if he was if he was closer with his father who thrust all this upon him, and his mother took Jean-Luc under her wings, and the flights of fancy and all of this stuff, you could see that there might be some jealousy and resentment from that as well. Post hoc, I'm just saying, yes. when you add that, it does give even more depth to maybe Robert's bitterness towards Jean-Luc and family. Yes, post-hoc, absolutely. Yes. But we're not going post-hoc. <laughs> Only if you got a loogie. Uh, I had quite a few this morning on my morning walk. Awesome. It was awful. Well, but now does that make more sense, thinking about Travis, though, and his family? It makes all the sense in the world. And, and, and I remember, I, I just remember being so perplexed you know, 20 years ago, watching it for the first time and just thinking, wow, this this feels like unnecessary strife. But looking at it with aged eyes and, and you know, revisiting it, it it actually makes a whole lot more sense to me. So I'm glad that we revisited it, um, <clears throat> which just which makes it all the much more irritating that we didn't see more of that. Like there could have been several other episodes of Travis being torn between the 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 boomer you know the boomer life and the and the zindi threat by the way like there could have been you know goings on with the zindis and the boomers because the boomers didn't necessarily feel like they were part of earth right like they were the lifeblood they were probably the most important part of of humanity but they weren't necessarily feeling like they were a part of any planet yeah you know that's something that could have been worked on. Um, and that's something that Travis could have, you know, been integral in in dealing. So I'm going to say something, and I just want you to listen. Uh-oh. The beta canon continuation of Enterprise nice. addresses it. Because the Kobayashi Maru 
that we think about all the was named after a freighter that was encountered by the NX-01 in the aptly named novel Kobayashi Maru. And it was was kind of like one of these long haul boomer freighters. Interesting. what happens with the Kobayashi Maru impacts the character of Travis Mayweather significantly and alters where, you know, where and what he's doing during the Romulan War, which is one of the, with, with it, Kobayashi Maru basically is one of, the, like, I think maybe two novels that sets up the bridge between the uh, episode and uh, the last. These between, are the voyages. Yes. And the actual Romulan War. Basically, right. what and what the nov- the previous novel called The Good That Men Do, which is basically the beta canon retcon of these are the voyages in states that it was Section 31 had covered it up that Trips Tucker's death was actually after the Romulan War. I remember that that being talked about on FARC.com a lot. Because it was extremely well received. Yeah. Well, I mean, we never saw a trip die. He gave a thumbs up or a wink as he was going into stasis. Right. But it goes that, and then I think it goes to the... Uh, it might actually be Kobayashi Maru, then the good that men do, and then it goes into the Romulan War. But Kobayashi Maru was excellent, the book. I highly recommend it if you want something that uh, kind of gives you a little bit more on the Travis Mayweather character. However, that's it. That and, you know, maybe Travis hooking up with uh, the reporter in, what was it, uh, Demons or whatever it was, the Terra Prime two-parter. Oh, yeah, that's right. With the reporter. Then... Didn't she give up all of her integrity to talk to him and do the... I mean, she, she was a snake. She was actually, I guess, I can't remember. I think she actually was doing a little bit of Starfleet's dirty work, too. In in Beta Cannon? No, in, in that episode. I'm trying to uh, remember. There was some, <clears throat> but yeah. I need uh, to revisit season four. <laughs> and season four was great. That was a solid season, by the way. Yeah. yeah. But you're right, Travis generally doesn't get much other than flying the shuttle. Yeah, and then the way they wrote him, the way they wrote him, the way they wrote him was whiny. Almost. Whiny is too strong a word. I I don't want to say whiny. I don't don't like that, but... I I actually felt that... Too passive? Yeah, I felt the character of Travis Mayweather should have been a little older. Like... Even if he wasn't Ensign, I mean, he was a young buck. Seasoned, a, a grizzled man. Or, you know, maybe just or, even, or even just an woman, old, you yeah. know, treated like an older, like an old, like a 25 or 26-year-old Ensign or something because of his time in the service, you know. It almost seems like he should have. Like been, a Mustang? Maybe, not time in the service, I mean, by, but being on those freighters. Yeah. Um, 
I mean, there, there's certainly some some kind of credit that needs to be given for that, right? If he was even just just say you say he was a little older and he was another lieutenant on the bridge, then you know you can go, oh, hey, captain, you know, maybe Archer would listen to him more, you know, <laughs> out there because he's he'd met races that Archer and all these others yeah. had. Because he'd been out That's there. That's true. But they didn't do enough of that. But then again, with all the exploring, Enterprise clear outlast, outpaced where most of these freighters would have gone anyway. Or what would have been good is following up. Hey, you know, this freighter kind of came across these people. Maybe we should go check them out because maybe we're a little more qualified than a freighter crew sort of thing. Yeah. Yeah, or, you know, Travis came along and met some of them when he was younger. Good bonding. You know, something exactly. like that. Following up, like, a place that they'd been to, rather than stories that Travis would tell. Right. You know? It'd be proactive with his character development rather than just saying what happened. They stagnated him. Really badly. I remember it was in the middle of season two, I'm sitting here going... You know, I haven't heard much from Travis lately. And then that just stayed that same way. He probably had two or three lines each episode. It was worse than Uhura. Like, it, it, it really was. Honestly. I, I, <laughs> Uhura got probably more to do in the original series. She did. And 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 Travis didn't. And I mean, skin color aside, it just it literally he literally had nothing going on with him after season one, which I, I found disheartening. After season one or two, I mean, the whole his being a boomer didn't impact near as much, all with the exception of. Him name dropping the Deltons during the whole Orion thing. <laughs> yeah. But. And I mean, I forget that he did that, but did he also say, and the Deltons are pretty great? No, that's why he was in the gym working out. Malcolm was trying, they were in the gym <laughs> trying to sweat out the, sweat out the, the Orions. Yeah. <laughs> That's what happened, because that's right. The Orion women have the pheromones that that cause the men to be a little um, subservient or suggestible, if you will. Yeah. So there's that, and then which was a great twist, by the way. Yeah, it made it made things a lot less sexist than they appear. <laughs> This big giant Orion man goes, so you see, Captain, it is not I who is the slave owner. <laughs> yeah. So that uh, that was that was well that was a good twist well for the Orion right there. Rise. Well played. Yeah. But then you but and, and Travis got like the episode with the re random repair station, and then like Travis dies, and they're like. Poor Travis. The biggest thing he did in that episode was actually be a fucking battery for that place. 
<laughs> oh my god! They they, I they feel bad exploring this even more. I mean, it it these just, young it, ensigns it, on Star Trek shows get the shaft sometimes. Well, of course they do. They're under officers. Screw them. So your <laughs> officers, stop saying under officers. That is not a term. It's my term. No, stop I it. It's very for a fictional for a fictional military service. I know, I know. I'm I, I'm just I'm it, I'm it, leaning into it, it to be silly. It's not working with you. I get it. Junior officers. Yes. Screw them. Fuck them. Fine. Lower decks. Does that <laughs> make you feel better? No. <laughs> They're junior officers. Fuck them. What do we care about them? So. Of course, they're capacity. Start somewhere. <laughs> so, so I, I honestly think that it really the 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 Harry Kim treatment should really be called the the Travis Mayweather treatment because Travis Mayweather was the most egregiously underserved character. I'm not just going to say in Star Trek, but in all of sci-fi. Because I can't think of a more egregious you know, instance of People a character. People who are in the main credits for the entire run of a series that gets stiffed that bad are, you know, that's him. You know, Travis Mayweather and Harry Kim are two prime examples. The only problem is I think Harry Kim is just a little better known. His show went on three more years. Yeah. He, that yeah. phenomenon was already being talked about. <laughs> yeah. It Travis was. came to existence. Well, okay. Here's the funny part. Here's the funny part about this. Because, um, oh, God, what's his name? What, 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 who was the actor that played Harry Kim? What was his name? Garrett Wang. Garrett Wang. Garrett actually said in the TV guide that introduced Voyager, like, you know, as the show was about to premiere, the first, you know, the pilot. He mm -hmm. literally said, as an ensign, I hope that as the stories and the years continue, we'll be able to see more of Harry Kim come out of being an ensign and learning to be a commander. He literally had this fear already. He was worried that was going to happen, and well, it here's came the thing. true. <clears throat> if you watch the original series, nobody gets promoted the original series. No. But that was a five-year mission, and they were away from most of... They were outside of contact for most of Starfleet. Still. They lost people all the time. People were getting killed. Oh, true. The Andromedans killed a lot of people. Yeah. <clears throat> and they would always occasionally show back up to a starbase, so... <laughs> and let's not forget how many times they actually went back to Earth. They usually went back in time, but they ended up back at Earth. Yeah. Did they um, ever end up back at Earth contemporarily? I don't think so, actually. I don't think so either. <laughs> they did go to Vulcan, which is in the heart of the Federation. Close, yeah. It was two light years away or something like, you know, six light years away or something. But, yeah. Then, not a lot of people got promoted in the next generation. Really... We got to see Repeat. Worf in Generations. Well, you know, Worf Troy. got promoted. To, he was a Lieutenant JG in Season 1. 
He got promoted once during the season. He actually got a positional promotion when Tasha Yard died. Right. Um, <laughs> Jordy got promoted the most. He got promoted twice. From Lieutenant JG to Lieutenant in season two when he became the chief Lieutenant engineer. Commander. And then in season three, they pinned another pip on him. <clears throat> ah. um, he got the he had the reverse O'Brien treatment who had like he went ensign to lieutenant and then like backing down <laughs> until he was finally chief. Um, and then Troy was the only other one who actually got promoted on the show. Right. Was like towards the end of season seven. <clears throat> and you wouldn't have known if she had a rank outside of encounter or far point. She didn't wear a uniform for six years. No. No, you wouldn't. No, I, all I saw was cleavage at that time. I was, I was just, I was, I was that young, and that's all I could see. <laughs> um, but when you look at it, Picard, Riker, Crusher never got promoted. Data never got promoted. Picard, I think, was a, a conscious choice, as was Riker. Well, technically, Riker got promoted, but he chose to decommission himself. He kept getting he kept getting offered promotion. He kept saying, "Yeah." He got a field commission as captain, and then he gave it up. Is that is that unheard of? All of that is unheard of. Okay. If you turn I mean, literally, down a, if you turn down a promotion once, you're asked to pretty much get out. <laughs> In most. You know, branches of service. Right, right. Well, I mean, it's it's considered insubordination at, at some point, like the first time. Well, no, you you can turn down assignments in the active military. You can turn down one assignment. You know, if you said no, you can turn down one, but you can't turn down another one. Yeah, yeah. So, so make sure that one no really counts, right? <laughs> That being said, uh, Deep Space Nine actually promoted quite a few people. Okay. Well, Kira. Cisco. Your star Cisco. got promoted. He's I always felt first... it was weird that he was commander. Yeah. I mean, I guess it made sense because commander of a space station, it works. He's not technically yeah, but a captain. It, but you, you'd seen other star bases, like huge star bases, and it's like got an admiral Commodore. there. So, yeah, it's a little, it's a little inconsistent. But yeah. you get Cisco gets promoted, Dax and Bashir get promoted, O'Brien got a promotion to go to. Um, so he was basically starting with a promotion coming to Deep Space Nine. Yes. But he didn't really get a true promotion going through. He got what he got was... a cooler he got a cooler looking rank. Yeah, cuz he was uh, he was a <laughs> non-commissioned officer. No, he still had the hollow pip for like the first 3 seasons of Deep Space. I mean, yeah, then but he got I mean he was fear. he was enlisted technically. Yeah. Well, I mean, but, but he had the hollow pip of a chief. Right. You know, same one he was wearing towards the end of TNG. And he was wearing that in 
you know, at the first three years of Deep Space Nine. And then in season four, he got the one that kind of looks like a SIM card, the backside of the SIM card. <laughs> yeah. uh, the, the Chevron SIM cards, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Which he could have, it could have been an actual rank promotion, you know. Well, they were just trying to figure it out. I mean, obviously, the writers of Star Trek were not very familiar with military life. Yeah. Well, I mean, Nog, Nog got promoted. <laughs> oh, that's right. Well, we went from cadet to ensign. Yeah. And then, but his, remember, his last, Cisco's last act before he disappeared was to recommend Nog for promotion to lieutenant. And he was a lieutenant JG. In, the, in his last scene. Jesus, I forgot about that. You're right. I I really want to watch the, only the last nine didn't seasons. Get pro- I guess oh. I guess Worf gets promoted to like first officer of, of the Rotaran, commander of the Defiant, promoted <laughs> to. He actually commanded a Klingon ship once or twice, and of course this he becomes an ambassador. So he gets a lot of positional assignments, but he still didn't <laughs> go up in rank. It really felt weird because. He, he eventually became ambassador, and I was like, well, wait, don't you get promoted to ambassador from Admiral? With the way they wrote all the admirals that, that didn't go crazy. Like, eventually, the admirals became ambassadors. Most That was a thing. Them. No, that was a thing. Like, like uh, Jean-Luc became an ambassador after he was an admiral. Uh, depends on the timeline. True, I'm just saying, but um, he never became an he, he was captain and then became ambassador in the all good things timeline. But in the Picard timeline, he never became an ambassador. He just became an admiral. Right. There is. But he was an ambassador in 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 um, the countdown comics leading up to Star Trek 09. He was an ambassador to. Yeah, uh, but Romulus. I think that's I think that's been wiped clean. Of course it was because now, it is now you know, non-canon. Fuck everything. Yeah. You know, it's, it's just you know, fuck so, It's just uh, I, I feel a little bitter right now. Here, this this here, is a very bitter episode. I know. He, we've talked three Star Trek series which had a character that was screwed in Deep Space Nine. Which character do you think was underserved the most? Main cast. God, um, main cast. God, and I the, mean, that's the problem. There's they, really they... one who should kind of be at the top of the list. All right. Well, I trust your judgment. Let me just walk through it just for fun's sake. They did a really good job with Cisco. They did a fantastic job with Kira. Jadzia. Mm, Jadzia. No, Jadzia got plenty of character development. Uh, she she did. She did. She did. Okay, Hell, even so, Entry got pretty decent character development in one season. She did. I thought I would hate her, and I loved her. I loved her within four episodes. It was, mm-hmm. She was fantastic. It was just uh, a different take. It was. It was It was great. Um. Okay. So Esri, uh, Jadzia, fine. O'Brien didn't get the he got he got a lot of development too. Yeah. Bashir Quark? got tons no, of Quark, Bashir had the best development. I mean, he was an arrogant asshole 
that that did you know it was an arrogant asshole greenhorn that we saw grow up. Yeah, he grew up. Yeah, and, and that was Quark, great. Quark had a lot of growing to do too. I thought I would hate Quark, and no, I I, I loved Quark at the end. I mean, I found him fantastic. A lot of the Ferengi episodes I found repetitive and. Yeah, but I liked Quark. I love I loved Quark. Odo, um, a lot of character growth too. All the character growth with with Odo. One person we're missing. A named main cast member. Named main cast member. I'm gonna look like an idiot. Yep. All right, do it. Do it. Do Jake. it. No, they developed Jake pretty well. Yeah, but he started to disappear in the last couple of seasons. Okay, so... Hmm, I may be blinded by this. I liked the idea that he wasn't going into Starfleet. No, I mean, at first I thought, he was an a- I thought it was an asshole move that he wasn't going to go in at, at first when I first watched it. I'm like, why wouldn't you go to Starfleet and explore the stars? You're stupid. And then, like, as an adult, I'm like, oh, yeah, no, that's a mature thing. I like that. He wants to be a writer. He wants to, you know, do investigative journalism. He wants to, you know, be a fictional writer. Okay, this makes sense. Um, He eventually stayed behind enemy lines during the occupation, which wasn't an occupation of Bajor, by the way, but with, with Dominion. And by the way, there is a fantastic dialogue between him and Wei Yun about bias in journalism, which needs to be studied. Right. But after that, he kind of got sidelined. After? After Cisco, after Deep Space Nine is reclaimed, he kind of gets sidelined. He's not part so? of Kira's resistance. You see him pop back up um, in uh, Valiant. That was a good Jake episode. That was a great Jake episode. Then you he see was trying him, to ground uh, ground uh, <laughs> the captain of the well Nog. First of Nog. all, he was trying to ground Nog. Um, and then you've got, but then he disappears, well, he disappears a little, uh, you see him a little bit in, you know, with, the no, I'm talking, I know, I know, stop I know, going I'm, I'm... backwards, we're talking forwards, he started to disappear for whole swaths of season six and seven. Well, that was when the war was in full force. Right. And I know the character was probably hard, harder to write, but he disappeared. I think he got done a little dirty. They could have thrown him in. You could have had him doing more reporting. What was the episode? Was it the Klingon War where he abandoned Julian? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And he wrote a tell-all article about it. That was an it, which... amazing. That was an amazing episode. I mean, they can't do that again, obviously, during the Dominion War. Man. Okay. Well, uh, I'm inclined to agree with you. I, I mean, we're, we we should talk about how. I'm not saying he's a bad character. I'm just saying, during some of these times, he, he would disappear. Yeah. 
no, no. Okay. All right. No, I, I'm in agreement with you on this. He, they did a lot of good stuff with him in the beginning and the middle, but the last two seasons, you're right. They didn't really use him very much. They would use him occasionally, like when he went with back with his father to Earth after Jack sure. dies, right? So you and he see was the him, voice of reason. He actually did become the voice of reason for a little while. Yeah. And, you know, you got the three generations of Cisco's, you know. But That's um, interesting. I mean, okay, so we should, I mean, we literally saw the birth, growth, and death of a character without actually having death. Oh, you mean as a character on the series? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, all right. I would agree with that at the end, he was done dirty. We should have seen more of him. Yeah, that you could have done more with him. You know? Gosh. Yeah. I mean, he could have been on the forefront with other... And this is where this is where the budget would be limited, but he could have been sent to, like, the Sixth Fleet. And, and you know, you would have seen different things happen he could and have maybe done. cisco would if, have been conflicted if Quark you know? went to the siege of air 558 jake could have been there reporting on it yeah actually you're goddamn right gosh gosh darn right <laughs> you know and don't don't roll your eyes at me about no no i that. didn't roll it, I, i'm trying to i'm trying to clean myself up after here, saying shit <laughs> I didn't roll my eyes. No, I think you're right. Um, the so I think Jake Jake had some very strong character development at several times during the series, but I feel he disappeared towards the end of the series. Quark, who had nothing to do with the Dominion War or Starfleet, had more to do in these episodes. I think at times the authors lost track of what to do with Jake. It's like the like O'Brien's family would disappear for half the season, you know? Yeah, like uh, they would be sent to Bajor, they'd be sent to Earth, and then right. <laughs> they come back. <laughs> right. Right. For for as wonderful as as, a, as realistic an example of a a military family as the O'Briens could be at times. There's times when on a like, base at the at the front lines. Yeah, I mean. It, the separation, the fact that, you know, O'Brien would have you could be out on a mission on the Defiant and Keiko's got two kids, you know, at home. Completely got it. And then, uh, so, but Jake, you know, he, that's a named character. And when, it, when thinking back on the next generation, a named character who... You know, a, or not named, but a, a starring character who was underserved, which we mentioned before, was Natasha Yar and our underrated character. I mean, she, you know, they were touted as having this female chief of security who was tough and smart and strong, and they didn't use her half the time. Yeah. And because she was underused, the actress wanted to be let out, and so they, there she went. It just killed her. Give, gave her a meaningless death. Right. A meaningless death. Although, I would argue that she was trying to rescue Troy, but okay. Still. Yeah, and you're right, she was. 
I mean, she technically would probably be listed as killed in action. Yeah. Uh, I, I always felt that that was a bit harsh, like, especially... Uh, they stayed with the theme in yesterday's Enterprise when when uh, Guyan was talking to Tasha. It's a meaningless death. It, it it was meaningless in a way that the guy literally killed her just to show that he could. Right, right. He didn't want to. He just did it. Oh no, he wanted to. I, yeah, I mean, for his amusement, not for any yeah. legitimate reason. Right. Okay. I mean, all right, that's a good that that is a good analysis of a character who actually was done well at the beginning and then was given the shaft near the end. Yeah, I like that. I didn't see that one coming. I didn't see that one coming, honestly. Oh, what, Jake? Jake. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Tasha, obviously. I mean. It's interesting. Okay, let's talk about Tasha a little bit more. But were you going to talk about Jake for a second or? No, no, no. I mean, let's talk about Tasha, because they gave her a lot of background story. Like, they gave her, she was part of a failed colony, she was evading rape gangs. So, which is, I always found weird, in a world that that Gene Roddenberry founded, the, the, the best of humanity, but there were still examples of failed colonies where humanity just fell into its worst tropes. and. And, and, you know, they did the worst to each other at those failed colonies. Like, they didn't they didn't seem to fall under any kind of jurisdiction or anything. Yes, but but don't forget, Tasha left to become better, to become that shining example. Understood. And obviously I mean, you but it, it it's just like Kirk grew up, you know, he spent time on a Federation colony where the governor Deneva. No, that's his brother. No, that was his brother. <laughs> You're Whatever right. it was, uh, where Kolos or Kodos, the executioner, kills half. He goes full Thanos. Yeah, you're right. He killed half the colonists in order the other half could survive. Yeah. Did the Avengers <laughs> rip off Star Trek? Actually, Kevin Feige is a Star Trek fan. So he was probably in. He probably used that as a little bit of a guide. Yeah, but that was Thanos's plan from the comics. So part of it was kill half the universe, uni- um, wipe out half the universe. Yes, it was more to pr- impress Lady Death, but maybe that little in piece the comics of- it was to impress Lady Death. He he was maybe. probably inspired by Star Trek to give the justification for killing half the universe oh, in the movies. May- you may be right. You're not so- wrong. <laughs> Thank you. That feels good. Uh, so, oh, but anyway, good. a little bit so, more oh. because yes. Kirk escaped Thanos. Uh, I mean, they threw that into the original series, and Gene was extremely involved in that. So, but remember, Kirk was better than that, right? Tasha was better. Yeah. Than yeah, yeah. So, no, I I agree. I just felt it was weird that you know you live in a, a humanity, a world of humanity where everyone is better, 
no one is for want. No one, it, you know, we're beyond greed. We're beyond selfishness. And yeah, yet, but now Tasha we have those say, failed hey, colonies. All of this is terrible, but now I can lecture you all about why it's terrible. Right. Well, true. And they never really used her for that. And they did I, it honestly like symbiosis when she was talking to Wesley about addiction. <laughs> yeah, the just say no campaign. Which, we're actually all those writers who were probably pretty left wing actually were like buying into the just say no thing with Nancy Reagan. Hey, look, just say <laughs> no to hard drugs. And we'll leave your weed alone, guys. Okay. <laughs> That's probably what it boils down to. I will say that that episode was an eye opener to me as a young eleven year old, watching watching people with you going through withdrawals and then needing their quote unquote medicine and then like injecting them and then saying, like, oh, oh, all better, all better," and learning, "Oh no, that's withdrawals." That, that that's a drug addiction. Oh, oh, that's what that is. Okay, yeah. as an eleven-year-old, I needed to know that. <laughs> so, we definitely, and we've mentioned how, outside of basically the the main three of the original series, criminal underrated, uh, un, uh, criminal lack of development for the other, whatever four core members of the crew. Well, Scotty Ogura, Chekhov, and who the Sulu. And yeah, I mean, that's been done to death. Part of it, part of it was, I know it's been done to death. We're just going to talk about it just a little bit because I'd feel unfulfilled if we didn't. Part of it, I feel like, was just the structure of Hollywood at the time where they always had trinities in a TV series. And you always just focused on the trinity. You you never focused on everyone in like an ensemble cast or or you had an anthology. Like like Twilight Zone, where you you had a different cast every episode. Um, and, and maybe you get a little more Scotty than you would Chekhov or Uhura. Right. I mean, like the Trouble with Tribbles, for an instant, where where you got a lot of Scotty, you got a lot of Chekhov. Chekhov talked a lot about Quadratriticale. Mm-hmm. He happened to know about it. Actually, you got a little bit more of Uhura, too. Wow, that's actually an episode that actually focused on some of the the non the non the non Trinity officers, which is interesting. But still, ninety percent of the episodes was generally those three in the front yeah. you know, lines, and then calling down to Scotty for more power or to you know transport the away team and then or landing party, I think is what they called them then, and uh, you know. You'd get you get a little interaction, uh, hailing frequencies open, Captain. Uh, mm-hmm. Moving to move, moving to warp five, Captain. Captain, yeah. there's something on the screen. And well, I she's mean, gone, Captain. So the other part four, of it. Like, <laughs> part of it was the '60s, and you have. I mean, it was revolutionary to have that diversity, but you couldn't have them have too much power. Yeah, <laughs> you definitely don't want those Scotsmen and to have too much power. My God, that would be the worst. It would have been the worst. Can you imagine that ship would have been crashed in no time flat? 
Yeah. And fixed really quickly, but still, all the dings. I mean, imagine the resale value. It would have been a nightmare. Well, anyway, yes. <laughs> Moving to. So we've covered all five of the. Uh, all five of the. Uh, we'll call them. Uh, Legacy Berman Star era Trek. and earlier Trek. Yeah, Legacy Star Trek. Legacy Trek. Um, I really think it's. We need to look at some other franchises very quickly before we end. Star Wars, who do you think needs a little bit more? Who do you think was criminally underserved or or screwed, so to speak? Well, if we're just I would argue yeah, Boba one Fett movie, Chewbacca. Show. Yeah, okay. Uh, no argument there. <laughs> he literally didn't speak a word for two episodes. Of his own he show. He did not. And he For two whole episodes. You didn't even see him. Episode. Yeah. No, it's true. That uh, I know. And we've talked about why that structure was what it is. Um, apparently, Ahsoka. I hope Ahsoka is really good. Because John Favreau was focusing on Ahsoka the whole time. Until he was called back to Boba. But... Uh, I you would have to say Chewbacca if we... is underrated and maybe not getting enough character de- and definitely didn't get enough character development as he should have as somebody who was literally in the original movie. Yeah. And he didn't get a medal. He was right there. That he was criminal. Was and he didn't get a hook. ship. And he didn't get a goddamn hook. Ugh. Not only underrated, but also perennially screwed. All right. Well, um, if we're going to go with underrated and perennially screwed, we have to go with Finn. Finn was definitely screwed. Okay. And we've talked about this, too, in another instance. Chewie at least had, like, seven He has a legacy behind him. Chewie at least has, has like, eight movies and a TV appearance to to back it up. Whereas (laughs) Finn... Yeah, Finn got screwed. And to be honest with you... I liked Finn in The Force Awakens. I liked him a lot. I found so much uh, potential in his character. And then Ryan Johnson comes along and is just like, you know what? I'm not going to advance anything. Everything's going to happen within 24 hours. That's it. And here's the worst thing, too. Finn... Immediately upon waking up from his back to suit or whatever it is. Yeah. Immediately he's like, oh, I just fought a Sith Lord. I just uh, helped, you know, rebels sneak onto Starkiller base. I just betrayed the First Order and, and joined the rebels and helped a rebel escape. And then tried to get to the resistance. Yeah, now I'm going to run away and jump into an escape pod completely throughout in his like first scene of him being conscious completely throughout the entire force awakens character development of him growing. Oh yeah. A guy who couldn't fire a a shot after seeing uh, his buddies get shot down and then massive death. Yeah. Unnecessary death. And then 
goes to fighting everybody. A Sith the Lord. Time. Yeah. He took on a Sith Lord on his own with no training with the lightsaber. I mean, he has weapons training, so it was plausible that he could take hold his own for a little while. Terrible. It Terrible just, uh, job. And Finn never recovered as a character. No. No, because they confused they, they literally confused what what Finn should have been and what Ray should have been. And honestly, everything that was happening in The Force Awakens should have been happening to Finn, not Ray. I honestly feel like that that would have been a stronger I feel like it would have been a stronger story. Maybe. Because he was coming he was he was coming out of his his psychosis. He was coming out of his brainwashing. And and the force for whatever it was was bringing him out of it. Well, yeah, maybe. But I think if nothing else, you know, what I think would have at least saved Finn a little bit, maybe, is if instead of Rose slamming into Finn in the end of it, at the end of uh, The Last Jedi, Last Jedi, Rose actually hits the machine, saving Finn's life, Ooh. giving him something Ooh. else to maybe fight for, Ooh. and yeah. giving Rose something better. Better than sidelining her so terribly in in the last movie. Yes, that is that would have been better. She could have gotten the same point about well done people she cares about by actually saving his life and doing something about it, as instead of slamming into him and like kind of causing the destruction of the rest of the (laughs) the rebellion or the yeah the resistance. Uh, you're absolutely correct. That is a much better assessment. Wow. Why haven't they called you yet? Because it would have proven people wrong. <laughs> it's so true. I think it oh would have just gosh. been better for both characters. It would have. It would have because it would have it would have given Finn agency at that point. Like, they were trying to make Ray his agency, right? Like, he was focusing on Ray as his, like, reason to be a good person. But then everything that he and Rose had been through, I mean, honestly, most of The Last Jedi is salvageable, except for the third act. Like, (laughs) the third act... If you change the third act, having Luke actually there, having Rose sacrifice herself, and having Finn watch that happen. And trim down a lot of that Canto bite bullshit. And exactly, in doing that, uh, I mean, uh, you would have been able to salvage most of that movie and all of those characters. And it would have been, oh my gosh, Man, DT, you you blew my mind. You blew my mind, man. I'm going to throw out two more characters who are criminally underserved. Okay. Okay. All right. All right. One, Lando Calrissian. (sighs) Yeah, because he shouldn't have been wearing Han's clothes at the end of Empire. (laughs) 
That's one. <laughs> I mean, unless there was some health issues with Billy D, and I heard that there, there there were some concerns, but I mean, Lando doesn't show up at all until like three scenes in at the end of um, the Rise of Skywalker. Come on. And it while, was the middle of the second act, yeah. And while Donald Glover did a great job as him in um, in in Solo, and definitely gave you some more insight into Lando, which was good. Yep. They could have done more. And I've seen a meme out there, and I would be totally on board with this because I know they've talked about having a Lando series. And it's almost like you remember the original uh, young Indiana Jones Chronicles. Oh yeah. Really old guy. Like (laughs) from like the, from the like 1990, you know, with an eye patch and the fedora telling stories to people around him, Forrest Gump style about that happened in the twenties. Yeah. Yep. So here's what you could do is you could have Billy D Williams be the narrator of the story and then all of the story itself being young Lando with Donald Glover. And I didn't come up with this on my own. I've seen a meme floating out there around there. And I would be so down with that. That would be I would great. be too. I would be too. Because Donald Glover brought a great swagger to boys. Hell, in the stupid most recent Disney Lego Star Wars summer vacation <laughs> that my, my kid wanted to sit down and watch with me. Billy D yeah. is back doing some voiceover work as Lando. Hello, Peter. Come to the cool side of the pillow. <laughs> oh, exactly. I would be so down with that because you would get the Oh my god. You this would this would revolutionize Disney Plus if you literally had a Lando Chronicles episode, uh, you know, episodic television show. It I doesn't think have it's to out long. there. Isn't, it, isn't that Hasn't that one that's kind of been on the docket? I don't know. I honestly, I I don't remember. I can't, I can't speak for it. But honestly, if you literally had Billy D. Williams as old Lando talking about his uh, different adventures each episode. So each episode will be its own story. So it's episodic. And maybe you could have it all lead up to like, you know, a two episode uh, parter. Where old Lando has to like finish it up, right? Lucas Lucasfilm is developing a Lando series, but they're not going to do it the awesome way. They haven't confirmed anything yet, so here's hoping. Oh, it would be so awesome if they did that. Yeah, it would be. It, that would be. That would be great. That would be a win, right? That would, I, I would. I would be there. I would sit there. Counting down the minutes until it was available on streaming. I would. I would. You could even have like some meta things like where like Lando's like young Lando is like looking out the window of his star of his starship or something with like a drink in his hand and a twinkle in his eye. And then it kind of cuts to the other side of the glass and there's old Lando. Yeah. Mirror picture same way. Oh, look at you. Look at you being all director ish. Here's a character who I would have loved to have seen more of. 
Wedge. Okay, yeah. Literally the Wedge only never captured minor character me. who fought in all three battles and lived. You're correct. From the original. You're correct. He never captured my imagination. I never cared. I always heard of him. I, I don't even remember what he looked like. Then well, or now. Wedge was just... But, he was just one of those guys. He was that guy who was like, oh, yeah. He was in the last movie. Hey, he didn't die. Cool. Yeah. And then you get to the <laughs> third movie, and you're like... Oh, there he is. That's yeah. the guy who was, who was... He survived the first Death Star. And Hoth. <laughs> Holy shit. <laughs> and there he, there he is with Lando. He's leading the, the X-Wing attack. Yep. And then, you know, he gets a little plug in the Rise of Skywalker. Uh, it looks like he's manning the quads on the Millennium Falcon with, with Lando and Chewie. Which was cool. I'm glad yeah. they bring him back. Dennis Lawson is Obi-Wan. Uh, Obi-Wan McGregor's uncle, which is yeah. kind of <laughs> um, I would love, I would have loved to have gotten more character development for Wedge Antilles. Um, he does appear in a few episodes of Star Wars Rebels. In fact, they yes. do an entire episode where the Rebel cell goes and breaks Wedge and some of his classmates out of the Imperial Fighter Academy. Oh, that was that episode. Oh, I, I watched that one. Yeah, that was a good one. Yeah, that was that that was when um, Ezra goes in there. He pretends to be a, a a cadet, right? No, that was an earlier one where he goes into Imperial cadets. Sabine goes into the Imperial Fighter Academy. Oh, never mind. I didn't see that one. And rescues. No, it's good. She, she he, they got word through their pipeline that there were some Imperial cadet pilot, pilot cadets wanting to defect. And Sabine goes in and rescues Wedge and a couple of other dudes whose names were like pulled from the X-Wing uh, book series from the <laughs> Legends, which of course Filoni is def- must have been a fan of Legends because he brought plenty of people back like Thrawn well, and, of course and he others. Would be. So of course he would be. Come on now, don't. <laughs> he's he's Filoni. He's 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 the man. But he knows yeah, that so universe inside Wedge, and out. I think Wedge was in something like a half a dozen Rebels episodes. Not generally as a main character, but more as a supporting character. So you at least see young Wedge and realize he was part of the rebellion, you know, during its early years. Um, sure. And if you read the Beta canon, the, the legends, he's extremely important and a hugely popular character. I mean, he literally headlined his own series of about a dozen X-Wing books. So... <laughs> but that's definitely a character I would have liked to have seen more live action of. Who knows? Maybe you yeah. can get a, a, a young actor to play Wedge in these movies. That'd be cool. Oh, or in the, uh, in the in the in the TV series, I'm certain. Fingers crossed that Wedge was going to be a character in Patty Jenkins' ex, uh, Rogue Squadron because he was. Oh, absolutely. Rogue Squadron, at least in Legends, was founded by Luke and Wedge. And then Wedge took it over once Luke got super Jedi, you know, went and focused more on the Jedi. So <laughs> if Wedge Antilles is not a character in Patty Jenkins' Rogue Squadron movie, then it's a complete fail for me. Yeah. Needless to say, 
Um, real quick, name off a character from Stargate you felt was screwed and underutilized. Man, I can't because they explored. Okay. Oh, geez. Okay. This is going to be a little bit of a. It wasn't a main character. That's the problem because they explored everyone on that base at some point or another. Like even the guy, the airman who announced the different chevrons locking. Yep. They eventually gave him a name. The um, underrated (laughs) characters podcast today. Uh, kind of in preparation for this um (laughs) and you brought up uh walter walter like they 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 announced they they announced his name in a flash forward in to 2010 where where richard dean anderson's like so walter (laughs) that was when we first heard his name and afterwards we heard it all the time but um but even he, before he had a name, he had a lot of good lines, and then he was devo- developed further. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they had some good temporary characters, like the guy who played Worf's brother. He was Tony a Jaffa. Todd. Yeah, Tony Todd. He was a Jaffa in a, in a few episodes, in like three-episode story arc. He was amazing, but then they killed him off. Spoiler alert. Um... But the one that they just kind of left hanging was Jolene Blaylock. Mm. She was a Jaffa warrior as well. And she and Teal'c kind of got it on for a little bit. And she appeared in two episodes. And that was it. And it just kind of like that was, you know, it was a it, it went hanging and then was left unaddressed. It's really, I mean, honestly, the writers for Stargate were very meticulous in their writing and 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 their their story adjustments. They were very meticulous. I mean, I I, honestly, I got to tell you, aside from the military inaccuracies that would mess you up and annoy the shit out of you (laughs) and have and have. It's such good sci-fi and such good writing otherwise. I know. And 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 that's the barrier for you, which kills me. It kills me. It kills me that you, you have that barrier, which I understand. It's such a cornerstone of... If it's such a cornerstone of their show, it takes... And it that, is. It, it really makes it hard for me to get past it. And of I know... Maybe I'm too entrenched in my ways. I tried. No, I, I, I don't blame I did, you for that at all. I did enjoy what I watched, um, but that was something that bugged me substantially. <laughs> when looking back yeah. on a TV series like the rebooted Battlestar, they really did flesh out most of their characters pretty well. Yeah. I'm, Same thing. It, it was just like it was just like Stargate. I'm struggling regard. to find, you know, somebody who didn't get a, at least a, a decent backstory at some point. Um, I mean, Callie had a good story. She wasn't even in the first episodes. Or was she? She might have been. I barely remember her. Yeah. But she became very prominent later. Holy yeah. hell. And when they killed people off, they actually 
tended to backfill them with some decent people too. So that wasn't they, bad. They had what I call <laughs> space daredevil. <laughs> Space Matt Murdock <laughs> in that show, the lawyer. Yeah, but he wasn't. He was blind. basically he wasn't blind, but he wore he wore Matt Murdock glasses, and he 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 was very non. Um, he was a slob. Uh, he wasn't. He wasn't a slob yeah, necessarily. He was. He, like you'd go into his office and oh. I'm thinking like his appearance was unkempt, but yes, his office was terrible. He was a little unkempt in his appearance too. He was unconventional in his legal right. ways, which it's it that's great, you know. It 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 added a different dimension, so. Yes. I did want more of him. Romo Lampkin, I think was his name. Yes. Uh, he, was he was fantastic. He was yeah. he was a wonderful character that came in. Yeah. Um but he reminded me of Daredevil. <laughs> uh, I mean, you could throw in numerous, like, like in Firefly, almost all the characters had, you know, not enough information on them. <clears throat> and that, was, that wasn't because of the writing. It was because they were canceled and Fox yeah. just messed them all up. Um, Looking back on Babylon 5, I'm trying to think of, which of the main characters were truly screwed out of time. I mean, I guess maybe the disagreement that we got when we lost Claudia Christensen wasn't great, but we still got four years with her. Michael O'Hare's mental, you know, his his, uh, psychological issues is kind of cut his character short. So that was, that wasn't him per se. You know, that was just that was unfortunate circumstance. Oh, so here's what. So, like Jakar had Natoth, who was like it was his veer and his. They were all supposed to have like an. Oh, eight. Natoth, yes. Natoth <laughs> was definitely one who got screwed, and kicked to the side. They there were two separate a- actresses who played, and she was like technically in the main cast, I think, in seasons one and two, and then just yeah. disappeared. They they By brought one three, of the actresses back. Yeah, they brought one of the actresses back in season five, where it turns out she was captured by the Centauri. Um, and Londo and Jakar have to free her under interesting uh, circumstances. But, I mean, that was a character that just kind of went nowhere. And in season two, they decided to add the fighter pilot Lieutenant Kepler. Yeah. And he was a guy who looked like he might have something interesting. Like it was a different perspective. And then like he kind of like decides he's going to start going at it. Because like his, his friend and boss had been killed in a run-in with a shadow ship out in hyperspace that only he saw. So he gets obsessed and he goes out looking for this ship at every stretch of the mean at any time yeah. he can. And tries learning about it and it starts driving yeah. nuts and then he he dies and then that's it i mean it was a one season and he was barely a main character in that season it's like he just yeah, but he added, up out of nowhere he added value to the show he could have if they had used him better his character was the reason why in my star trek 
uh, fan fiction, which wasn't Star Trek. <laughs> I had a pilot, and his name was Fallon. I don't remember if his first name was Fallon or his last name was Fallon. I, but, I, I uh, seem to remember that, yeah. And he was a pilot. He was, and he was like an ace, like you know, playboy kind of guy. Yeah, yeah. I remember it was because of that guy. Like yeah. he was the archetype that I used. It was that was him. That was why yeah. I was inspired. So yeah, that's no, interesting so. you bring him up. I forgot all about that. So yeah, those two characters from Babylon Five were definitely not done well. But almost every other main character on like the main cast had some, some pretty substantial character development. Even Captain Lockley, who got one season. Yeah. Who was Ivanova's replacement, got some pretty good development. And then she ended up appearing in like half a dozen episodes of Crusade. Right. In a handful of the, maybe one or two of the um, TV movies. So. I think we've covered a good amount. What do you think? We have, and we're starting to run out on time. But you're right. I think we've covered a decent amount. We beat Star Trek to hell. Pretty well, yeah. But I've got an idea. Okay, go ahead. Sorry. But I think we covered a lot now. There were some, you know, uh, I think we, I mean, this whole thing was the whole discussion recently of Anthony Montgomery basically coming out and saying, I'm getting the Harry Kim treatment to Garrett Wang, which (laughs) he was like, yeah, I think you're right. That was that's kind of what spurred, spurred this recently. The two yeah. guys talking about how they got screwed. Yep. Although they're both I mean, very active. Garrett Wang is hugely active at conventions and on Trek podcasts. Can, so. can we just talk about Garrett Wang for just one moment before we wrap up? Um, and I don't mean to yep. be spurched the man or anything, but. I heard that he was almost written out during the species eight four seven one introduction because he has he was ritualistically late to set um for call times mm. and he was he rarely knew his lines and I, this never was his heard punishment that. and his the threat. things I heard were that you know it was him. He was one of the choices for the chopping block when they were bringing Seven on board and they gave Kess the heave-ho. And that was a character that kind of ran out of steam, too, at times. Oh, we didn't even talk about Kess. Shoot. I mean, Kess really didn't have anywhere to go. I mean, she was going to live for, what, nine years? Nine, ten Two years, years they, old. They kind of painted. They kind of painted themselves into a corner with that. Yeah, I mean, by the end of the by the end of the season, she would have been dead. So, yeah. <laughs> or the series. So, so but so, it was yeah. either her or, or or Harry Kim. I get it. And mm-hmm. it was the two. It was the two actors that they didn't like as much. It was Harry was uh, Garrett Wang was late to set and he wasn't prepared for his lines and this is awful but i do remember hearing about how jennifer leanne had a problem with her weight and the producers were very upset with her about her not controlling her weight during production yeah the sad thing is it was probably like five pounds 
It was. It would have been literally five pounds. Um, Which was but if you look it up online, it, it, it's there. I'm not making this up. And I, I and this isn't me observing her. I didn't observe her being like, ooh, she's a little girthy. I, I, that never crossed my mind. I, I know it's a terrible term to use, but. No, it's just terrible that that's what we're holding people to. It is, right? I mean, the, the fact that, I mean, her life is is right now ruined. Like, she's somewhere in the middle of the desert, a drug addict, and and completely, like, gone from any kind of redemption at this point. I don't know if you knew this, but she was she was convicted of, of exposure to a minor. Did you know that? No. Oof. Oh, yeah. <laughs> About five or six years ago. Like, Bad things are going on with Jennifer Leanne, unfortunately, and it, it's all because of drugs and mental illness, and it's bad. She's not getting the treatment that she needs, nor probably that she can get with the current situation at hand. Well, probably also if she didn't get the fucking heave-ho from Trek and tossed out and probably really fucked up with her self-esteem, I'm sure that didn't help. It probably psychologically hurt her a lot. I mean, I it, it's hard for me to understand this because Star Trek always felt like an underground railroad kind of show. Like, <laughs> like it, for me, I always watched it. I always watched it in the dark. I watched it. I, I hid it from my friends. I hid it. I hid it from everyone I knew except you. And the, honestly, like, I, I mean girlfriends girlfriends i had in high school didn't know i watched star trek and i freely admit moving that plastic enterprise sometimes if i knew i had a girl i was interested in coming by the house exactly exactly i i would do the same um so it felt it felt very undercover that this show it didn't feel like the show was as successful in society as it truly was but when you think about it when you go back and look at it the show was an amazing success i mean the 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 series in and of itself even voyager got like 15 million viewers at Mm -hmm. the time which is unheard of nowadays for even the most successful tv show we got to wrap things up i get it um but when you have that cachet (laughs) You're going to have those kinds of restrictions and well, there's expectations, issues, that you know, come issues, with the expectation issues. Yeah, you're you're correct. So anyway, rest in peace, Jennifer Leanne. We love you. Hopefully she dead? You the help you can get. No. But she'll be missed. <laughs> we I hope she gets the help that she deserves. Honestly, I really do. The, no joking. Uh, no joking at all. Okay. Um, well, agreed. Most agreed. Um, that being yes, said, I think we did a pretty good job with this list. Absolutely. And oh, one last thing. I think the next idea we have should be bad guy story ideas that were left dangling. Oh, you mean plot threads? Plot Unfinished. threads. I'm good with, uh, plot with, with hanging plot threads. That's a good that's a good one. Yeah. Doesn't ha- I don't yeah. think we need to even stay with bad Not guys. Not necessarily just bad guys, but loose, good loose plot threads. threads. That, 
Yeah, that that should have been. It's a good one. I like. I think that's a good idea. Agreed. All right. <laughs> so, all right. Well, on that note, everyone, DT, anything else before we take us out? Nope. Well, with pumpkin spice aside, you guys keep dreaming. We'll keep working. So long, folks. So long. We'll see you on the high ground. Those Sci-Fi Guys is an independent broadcast by AlphaSight Productions, produced by DT Cavman and P.S. McKay. Music courtesy of Kevin McLeod at Incompetech.com. For more information on upcoming episodes, follow P.S. McKay on Twitter at P.S. McKay, or go to thosescifiguys.com for past episode information.